0: Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first this is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuiper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown.
1: Welcome to First Draft. Three games down in college football, two weeks down. In the NFL, Mel and Todd are locked in on their top twenty-five prospects. Probably, probably won't have to touch them for, I don't know, till April at least. Pretty solid there. We have a guest here. I'm Chris Brown. We us have do, Mel do podcasts Todd. every
0: every week. We're gonna we're not gonna have time for
1: it. quit the prospects. Focused on podcasts, just like both your agents told you. Um, Travis Haney, national ESPN college football insider, is coming along for the ride to fill in my knowledge gaps which are significant. Guys, I wanted to jump right into this. It's something that uh, you wrote about for ESPN.com this week, looking at early favorites in each conference, which is kind of by proxy, a shell of what could become the playoff. And along with that, some some prospects that are popping in each conference. I want to get started in the one that, you know, where really the most noise is being made in the ACC, where – I saw each of you mention that you still think this is Clemson's conference to lose. They get home, which a chance to hold serve against Louisville. Mel, you've had a couple days to think about that. Are you still believing that Clemson is the team to beat in the ACC?
2: Well, Clemson hasn't had an opportunity yet. The Auburn game, everybody kind of got down on Clemson because they struggled. Everybody thought they'd score 40-plus on everybody. That didn't happen at Auburn. This offense that got Mike Williams back was expected to be unstoppable. You couldn't contain it. Uh, you just got to score 40-plus to beat Clemson. Well, that hasn't happened yet. They've had an easy schedule since then. They struggled with Troy. Uh, now you have Georgia Tech. Uh, then you have Louisville at home. So I think the home field, uh, if you're looking at two pretty evenly matched teams, a defense that had to be kind of rebuilt again, but an offense that, that should explode at some point. Uh, Louisville, hey, you got to be impressed with Lamar Jackson. Passing could be improved, but his, he's just an extraordinary collegiate quarterback. They have a lot of talent around them. They were fortunate to get the defensive players back that they did instead of going into the NFL draft. They came back, which certainly helped their defense. So uh, I'm kind of tossed there, Todd. It was a tough call. I just figured with two evenly matched teams, I'll go with a home field in Clemson.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, you basically said everything that I, I wrote the other day and, and have been thinking on this subject. It feels like I'm jumping... Plagiarized or, you. To, no, I, no okay. not at all. Um, and plenty of other stuff, but not this. <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, hey, give me uh, an hour. I, no, I, I, the whole... Playing at home is a, is a big a big thing. I do not think Deshaun Watson has looked the same as he did a year ago, and it's surprising. I don't know if there's something wrong. I don't know if he's just kind of playing cautiously. Um, but they still have Watson, Gallman, Mike Williams, at wide receiver. I just – I don't know. It's, it's hard to jump off of Clemson, but it's also hard to overlook what we saw from Louisville the other day. That, that's as dominant of a performance I can remember seeing – of a good football team just getting beat down in a long time.
1: Trav, do you buy uh, that Clemson is able to hold serve? And I'll throw out one little wrinkle in this, which is that Clemson, I don't believe, has won at Georgia Tech since 2003. Uh, And that's where they got to go before Louisville. It's a bad combination of a trap game and, you know, maybe getting caught looking ahead and not just a trap game, but a, a team you just don't like to play. Who likes to play Georgia Tech? It's like Navy jacked up. It's it's no fun. Sprout, why are you gonna
3: have me on if you're gonna just steal my material? I mean, I, I was ready to roll oh out like two thousand three. Ready to roll out that stat and you just jumped right on it. I, wow. I I'm gonna say Louisville. I mean I read your post, guys, and and I would actually lean Louisville because of the schedule. And outside of the Clemson game the second hardest game in conference for Louisville, is probably, gosh, it's hard to pick. It's probably Wake Forest at home in the middle of November. Meanwhile, Clemson, the aforementioned game this week, Thursday night at Georgia Tech, that's been a house of horrors for the Tigers. And also Pitt late in the season. Pitt is kind of a sneaky team. They're they're running a power scheme with some uh, new speed and Quadri Henderson, a young guy who's looked good, uh, a sophomore receiver. I just think that, Louisville can lose to Clemson and still get in to the ACC title game with one loss and still win the ACC title with one loss. I think Clemson, the way it has played so far, looks like a team that could drop two uh, looking at the schedule forward.
0: I'm interested to see if Florida State fights back, if that was just a a bad day that allowed to escalate and kind of rolled into that or, or are they really just not nearly as good as we
1: maybe thought? Hey, one question on this conference, which is weird because we've what what happened to Florida State just getting trucked in Louisville. The thing about Louisville that I think is really interesting, everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson. Is it possible that Louisville has, if not the deepest, just the best overall pass rush in the country? We know Fields, but you got like James Hearns, they got a freshman they like, John Greener. I mean what what's going on? Because I, I really think that they can win games with their defense too. I think maybe that's being overlooked a little bit. There was a 30-minute period in the middle of that game where you would expect Florida State to be able to score because the lead piled up. It just didn't happen.
0: They they absolutely dominated Florida State's offensive line. So Florida State's offensive line wasn't that good a year ago. That was the biggest problem for that team. And we all just kind of assumed that they're all coming back more experienced together. All those thoughts that it would be a better group. But That it failed the test miserably on Saturday.
2: And let me tell you this, guys. I think you look at Florida State, it was kind of the perfect storm against them. Uh, Yeah, you have to go to Louisville high noon kickoff, you're without your best defensive player, bar none. Derwin James is their best defensive yeah, player. Regardless of the Marcus Walker having the four and a half sacks in the first game and playing great, it was still Derwin James. He was with, he was to that defense, with Jabril Peppers is, to Michigan. Right. Take any other great defensive player off their team, and you're going to fall back. And you're playing Louisville with this incredible offense, this machine, this great offensive mind on the sidelines, this incredible quarterback, all these receivers, uh, you know, running game, they got it all. And now you're playing without you. And, and a defense it's then that's, that's, not, that's injured. So you had a lot of things going against Florida State, a redshirt freshman quarterback and his first road start, or true road start. Forget Ole Miss, that was in Orlando where he played their spring game. So it was a lot of things working against uh, Florida State on both sides of the ball, and uh, I didn't expect a route like we saw, an embarrassment like we saw for Florida State, but it certainly wasn't a game that kind uh, of you know, was an optimum situation for the Seminoles.
1: Put Lamar Jackson aside, real quickly, before we jump to the Big Ten. The prospects, the ACC prospect that's really popped for you guys so far.
2: You want it, Kuiper? I'll take it. Yeah, I, I can go. I think there's, there's several. I think if you look at popping, I'm, I'm waiting for for Nas Jones, the kid at, at uh, North Carolina, defensive tackle. He's flashed. He's got an incredible amount of talent. He certainly will be a guy, when you talk about interior pressure, how important it is at the pro level. And we've had a history of guys like Sylvester Williams and guys like from that program moving on. Uh, he's going to be interesting to watch uh, moving forward. I think when you look at, at Clemson, I think you look at that team, Jordan Leggett is a, a tight end, waiting for him to emerge and it just waiting for a guy to start playing up to the level. I think we're waiting for a lot of guys in this conference to do exactly that, Todd. Marcus Walker had the great start, was okay last week, not great. So I would say right now we're still waiting for a guy to pop from the ACC and live up to that promise on a week-to-week basis.
0: I thought Brad Kaya played pretty well last week. Yeah, but he didn't App play State. well early. No, he didn't. He, he got better as the game went on. How um, about early in the season? Yeah yeah oh uh, Bucky Early, H- earlier in the season, I yeah. would say. Bucky Hodges, the tight end from virginia tech has has had a few nice plays, but no i I agree, I think when you look at all the key players, I'm just looking through my list of top five guys at every position and and there's you know of all the guys on this list from the a c c none of them's jumping out. hey, he's having an amazing year.
3: I wrote one down. I, I think we omitted him the last time I was on with you guys in August, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And that's Isaiah Ford at, at Virginia Tech, 6'2", yep. uh, about 200 pounds. He caught 75 balls last year, and they were a mess, offensive line and quarterback. He's off to a good start, 20 catches already in three games. So I, I think we might have missed him last time, so he's one I wanted to make sure we highlighted this time.
2: Yeah, Travis and Todd, he lives the game with football. He's like the, the quarterback that sleeps with the football. He's a receiver, always has a football in his hands and loves the game and, and comes early, leaves late. So he's everything you wanted a quarterback to be in terms of work ethic. Uh, as a wide receiver, uh, you know, he certainly fits the bill from that standpoint. Yeah, and Hodges
0: in that same offense, 10 catches, 103 yards. Not huge numbers, but for a tight end, 10 catches through three games, not bad.
1: If you think it's weird to sleep with a football, Mel, I mean, come on. You've known me for a long time. You know I sleep with a football. <laughs> guys the big ten Ohio State has looked it's really been an exclamation point I, I realize you know the first couple weeks you know you're not gonna get too excited but to go down to Oklahoma that game wasn't even as close as maybe the final score indicated Joe Mixon obviously had the long kickoff return uh, for a touchdown but you know they ran over them I mean right now is it's for me it's not that they're good it's that this is a really, really young team in a lot of places. Obviously, six returning starters. That was the fewest in the FBS. Trav, I mean, I'll let you get started here. Is this The thing with me that's surprising is this is the time where I expected them to be in really close games like some previous teams, like that national title team that lost to Virginia Tech in Week 2. Instead, they look really ready to go. I mean, it's surprising and I think, frankly, scary for some of the people in their path.
3: Yeah, I didn't see that coming last week. I mean, Bob Stoops has only lost now nine games at home since 1999, and they're very rarely embarrassed on any field, home or away. So to take advantage of the corner deficiency that Oklahoma very glaringly has, and Noah Brown, a guy that we mentioned in August, uh, showed up big time in that game, and not just the highlight catch, but four touchdown catches in the game, I was not expecting that complete of an effort this early in the season. I, I thought Ohio State might look that way toward the end of the year, mm-hmm. yeah. but to see them at that that level, operating, clicking on that level in September is a really alarming thought. I, I still, the thing that we're missing that we miss every year Michigan is that State? Michigan State yeah. is also making a statement, yeah. and you could lose so much this,
0: money betting against.
1: Yeah,
3: why? Why do we do we this every single year? We do this. We overlook Michigan State. I went back. I had to remind myself: zero conference losses in 2013, one in 2014, one in 2015. Why would we count
2: them out?
1: I think it, maybe it's something with coming off the off season. We we get caught up in the recruiting rankings, and we always see state in that twenty-five, you know, twenty to thirty range, and we go, okay, you know, let's see if they, if they lost anybody noticeable you think that there's going to be a little a little bit of retrenching. Obviously, they lost a the quarterback, probably not as couple good. A couple of really yeah. good
0: offensive linemen. And yet,
1: the system is there, and they haven't really had a down year on defense in forever.
2: Guys, I was asked the question Saturday morning, early, uh, You know, why does Michigan State have a shot to beat Notre Dame? Give me one reason. And my answer was... Mark D'Antonio, and you look at the coaching and the the way he uh, gets his team from Furman the week off prior to Notre Dame. So from that Furman game on the second till 15 days later with that week off, Give any great coaching staff and a great coach that opportunity. He took advantage of it. And look at the last four years, three years, 13 wins, 11 wins, 12 wins. Now they're off to that 2-0 and start. Now they host Wisconsin, which will be a very tough game. But to see some of the players emerge that you didn't necessarily know going in would be as good as they are is important. But this is a team that you look at. They won with O'Connor against Ohio State the shoe at, at Columbus when nobody gave them a chance in that game without their quarterback Connor Cook, they still found a way to win and limit Ohio State's offense to minimal points. So I think, and they have a stud in McDowell up front. They got some very active linebackers. Uh, yeah, this is a team that has the great, on the side we say, how much is a coach worth? Mark D'Antonio is worth a lot of points.
1: So Todd, Ohio State finishes at Michigan State, then they get, uh, then they get the Wolverines at home, I mean, is that really it? Is that kind of decide that side of the conference? Which, frankly, you would think, may, you know, maybe Wisconsin, maybe Nebraska, coming off a big win, comes out of the other side. But, you know, is what's your pecking order right now?
0: Right now, it would be Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, without a big gap between all of them. Yeah, and then a huge. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's <laughs> a good team. I think not quite as good as maybe people. Started to think after the LSU win, schedule is
3: going to get them. I, the I was just going
0: to say that too. Exactly, that's, a, that's the point too. They, they just week in and week out, and now the quarterback or the um, Alex Hornibrook is he? He came in and played really well last week against Georgia State in the game that they clearly just did not play and give their best effort. Um, but, uh, but I think there's a gap between those top three in Wisconsin and then probably an even bigger gap from Wisconsin to the rest of the the conference. Iowa, we'll see if they can bounce back from that, that, uh, North Dakota state loss at home, but I, I would go with Ohio state and it's probably more so honestly, show me, you know, Michigan, I know they have more NFL prospects. I know that they have more veteran talent, but Ohio state has recruited so well the last few years. It, there's, it's just next guy up. And so it, Saturday didn't next shock me. Next
1: guy up. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Saturday did not shock me uh, going down to Oklahoma and, and controlling the, that game the way they did. But I also think, I should say, that Michigan State's always going to overachieve, and I'm just like everyone else here – I think that D'Antonio is phenomenal, and I think that Michigan is is really good and capable of, of being in a national championship game. So the top of this conference I think is as good, the top three, four teams, is as good as any conference out there right now. Michigan, Travis, Todd, and
2: Chris has played so many freshmen and true freshmen. I have a list here, and I keep circling every week. Guys 18. Are, 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 are impressed. It's it's unbelievable. The, I can't even read it now. i got so many marks next to these names. And The same thing with Ohio State. They had seven of those guys there in the spring. Uh, that's what – hardball uh, Harbaugh believes, that's what Urban Meyer believes. Get these freshmen ready. They come there to play. They're going to play. They're going to have key roles. And they're going to be pivotal. And you get to November 26th, at Thanksgiving weekend, and you think about that game at Ohio State, all I can think about is the, the great Woody and Bow years, the 5-5-1, five, five, the 11 great years go 5-5-1. Five, five, all those great athletes and NFL players are on the field for those games uh, in Columbus and in Ann Arbor. This game at Ohio State. Uh, I think the the, the Urban hardball years are going to be phenomenal hopefully they stay there they don't leave to go anywhere else uh, and they remain at these two programs so that's going to be one for the books every year uh, with those two teams it's yankees red Sox all over again
1: all right we got to race hey, a hey, little bit four hey, or five minutes out. per conference go ahead Up th- real quick michigan
3: state hosts michigan and ohio state just file that away the other yeah. teams their schedules are a lot more difficult Michigan State's got about the their home,
1: and you know the way the programs have been, the the, the home team has been favored in that Michigan-Michigan State game a lot. But, Mich- but Dantonio's had their number. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the the little brother comment still Michigan sticks. Michigan had a him beat last year. Yep, and then still couldn't finish it. <laughs> yeah, seen that highlight once or twice, guys. Let's <laughs> jump into the Big Twelve. Uh, it's a mess, frankly. I mean, Texas's big <laughs> opening night win. They take a step back when they go out to Berkeley. We saw what happened with Oklahoma. I'm trying to make a case in my head for West Virginia to be a sleeper with that schedule. For some reason, I you know TCU's not the defense they have been. Trav, you can get us started. Who, who's, who's your pick in this one? I'm going to stick
3: with my preseason pick, which was TCU. And I totally understand your reasoning for saying that about the defense, but I'm, I'm going to rely on Gary Patterson very much the same way we were with Mark D'Antonio in the Big Ten discussion. I think they're going to get it fixed. I think they're going to adjust. They're going to get better over the course of the season. If they were able to do that last year with all the injuries on both sides of the ball, I'm inclined to think they're going to be able to do that. The problem is I think it's still a seven and two, maybe a six and three conference season that wins the league. And that is really problematic for the Big 12's playoff chances with or without a championship game. I mean, this is, this is the league that looks like it's going to be left out at this point in time.
0: I tend to agree. I mean, they only have three teams in the AP top twenty-five this week, and none in the top
1: fifteen. Yeah, and Oklahoma as a playoff team needed not only to win that game, but they, they got to go on the road a bunch. I mean, you can get tripped up in Morgantown, you can get tripped up all over the place, really, in this conference, though.
3: Well, no one's gone undefeated in the history of the Big Twelve. Yeah, no one's gone nine and zero.
1: Well, I, hurry and
0: expand. I could see TCU. I I didn't jump off the Texas. I don't want to say I was on the Texas bandwagon. I, I went with Texas, and I honestly, of all the five, the Power 5 conferences, have the least confidence in this one. But they get Oklahoma's obviously the uh, neutral site game. They get Baylor, West Virginia, and TCU all at home, which I know it's not the greatest home field advantage, but they're not on the road. And I think they're going to continue to get better. I think the talent's there. Tough spot the other night at Cal. The team they should have beat. They kind of wrestled back momentum and they had it and they they couldn't finish the the drill if you will so um I went with Texas, but I really don't have a ton of confidence.
2: All these teams have been such disappointments so yeah. early. Every, if anybody you kind of hung your hat on, if you thought Oklahoma State, you saw what happened with them. Uh, you go through Texas, the Cow Game. Baylor has still a lot of talent, and Baylor hadn't been tested yet, playing three cupcakes early on. They do have a test this week, but the game's in Waco against Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Baylor still has, and maybe not the depth that uh, some of the other teams thought they would have, but uh, in terms of starters, they got some guys who can make big plays on both sides of the ball. So I would think Baylor is kind of a scary team, but we'll learn a lot about them uh, this week against Oklahoma State.
1: Jumping to the Pac-12, Trav knows this, I know Mel knows this, I'm uh, probably the country's foremost uh, Pac-12 sympathizer, and I don't see it. Uh, Stanford, I know they have two wins over teams with names, you know, got by Kansas State at home, they got by USC, they have Christian McCaffrey, and I know that with David Shaw, you're not going to see a lot of 59 to nothing early on scores. They can dominate teams and win 28 to 7. They're just not that type of college football team. The way they play, that early on, it's just going to stack up. But gosh, I look at the Pac 12 North. I think they can lose on the road pretty much anywhere. Uh, And then, you know, obviously the state of USC, Mm. those guys are just looking at Herman at Houston. The hard part for
0: Stanford is the schedule. Yeah. I mean, it's brutal. At UCLA and at Washington the next two weeks, at Notre Dame, I know that's not a conference game, but still it'll, it'll take a toll. Yep. Uh, trips to Oregon and Cal in November. If they win this conference, they earn it, and they, if they somehow finish, well, even with one loss, I think you, there probably will be a strong.
3: I'm, I'm saying even with two. Maybe, I mean, I yeah. think based on – we haven't gotten to the SEC yet, but it, it's sort of a jumbled mess beyond Alabama. And what we said about the Big 12, I think this is the year you're going to see a two loss team in the playoff. And I think at Stanford, because of those difficult road games, they can still lose one or two and, and still be in pretty decent position.
1: Problem is, it's better to lose earlier. We all know that. You, it's the hindsight, you just, yeah. the, re- the close rear view, it works out better for these teams. I, it's just funny. I just think that, you know, Washington's dusted people early, but, you know, nobody. Uh, Cal, we know, is interesting. USC's not a playoff team. Utah's defense looks okay. There's just not a lot there. Mel, I mean, give me a reason to think there's a... a, a a playoff team in this conference?
2: I think Oregon, offensively, would have been unstoppable, and they would have beaten Nebraska. Of Royce Freeman's injury would have shamed there that uh, he wasn't able to finish because he's a spectacular yeah. football player. And when you have the injuries that they have sustained now on the offensive side, that had to, had to be a team to outscore the opposition. And I, guess what, guys? They would have outscored you know, the majority of teams they faced. Maybe they faced maybe all of them. Not now, though, and it certainly wasn't the case with Nebraska, even though they had that lead. Freeman's injury devastating. And UCLA, watching them this year, It's Josh Rosen and everybody else. Where's the talent? I I keep hearing about UCLA every year, and Travis, you can address this. Where's Where's the material? I watch UCLA, and I see average talent. I don't see the kind of recruits that are stepping up, and I don't see the kind of speed and athleticism that some of these other teams have. What's going on at UCLA?
3: They've had development issues, and I think that a lot of it's related to continuity for the coaching staff. You've had a lot of turnover with coordinators on the defensive side this year. You saw the offensive coordinator leave to go to Texas A&M. And Mora has promoted internally, and I think that's good on one hand in terms of loyalty, but I've talked to coaches about this. I mean, there are questions about who's running that offense. There's questions about, uh, as I said, continuity on the defensive side. So I I just don't know that they're getting development the way that they would want. The recruiting classes, I, I haven't looked at them, but they add up. I mean, they're top 10, top 15 type classes that you would think UCLA would regularly be around the hunt for a Pac-12 title, and it it has not happened. I've heard coaches ask about uh, discipline and and whether Mora can run a program with proper discipline and and maybe some of those chemistry issues that we talk about with other programs, maybe A&M included. I I just think it's kind of a, a mix of different things, but I see very much the
1: same things that you do, Mel. Mel, a prospect out there that you've gotten excited about before we jump into the SEC?
2: Well, I think there's a few. I think you look at, we all know about a third year. And Todd, I want to address this. There's more third year sophomores yeah. this year than I can ever remember. I mean, Jabril Peppers at Michigan has been spectacular. We all think he'll probably be coming out. He's going to be a top guy. But I think when you look at Stanford, Solomon Thomas, a defensive end, a guy that, you know, when the defensive line is a third year sophomore can wreak havoc. Uh, yeah, he to me, and that's why the whole, we talked about Mark D'Antonio factor. You think about Stanford, you think about David Shaw, a team that just wins. Uh, and they certainly at UCLA this week, we'll know more at Washington coming up, so tough back-to-back games for them, uh, but I think when you look at Solomon Thomas and all these third-year sophomores, including the quarterback at Michigan, Wilton Spate, a ton of them this year, probably Mork, Wenton Nelson, the guard at Notre Dame, it's a laundry list of names of third-year, so Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback at Alabama, it's a ton of them, Todd, more than I can ever remember that we were thinking about to, could maybe leave early for the NFL.
0: I agree. I, one guy in the Pac-12 that I'm, I'm interested to watch more of this year, I haven't been able to, to see very much, is Luke Falk at the quarterback position. They are...
1: Yeah, Sprout Todd. He's, he's the uh, State. He doesn't I've, like never, a- I've never missed a single throw he's ever made. I think there's... Completing
0: natural- 74% of his throws, and he's got more ability than people think because of that. People will just assume that he can't play. He I'm might not be a tick be a good- above
1: the previous iterations of Leach quarterbacks, but right. show me where they all are now. They're all on sidelines. I- They're coaching Texas Tech.
2: I agree. Is Luke Falk? Is Luke Falk this year's version of Kevin Hogan?
1: Uh maybe, ish. And I'll tell you what: with those gap, the way they do their gaps, he sits back there. No, I know
0: like, oh, why. I know, but he's got he has more ability than a lot yeah. of those other guys.
1: And I just you know they're one
0: and two, and they've struggled, but he's yeah. completing seventy four percent of his throws. I'm just interested to see how that plays out.
1: I I I really like Luke Falk, and I really don't like his chances when you put him next to quarterbacks with the physical build of the Carson Wentz's of the world. Yeah, but where are those guys
0: this year? I mean you have Deshaun Kaiser, whatever. I'll I'll reveal it
1: in the February. Okay, thanks. All right, let's jump to the SEC. Alabama obviously with the you know frankly the squeaker of all squeakers to get out of there the way they did, but a credit to them. I guess the question is here we know Alabama is in a great position because A, it's Alabama. We know the talent level, we know the pass rush I guess the question is, is which of – let's go with Florida and the fact that they're sacking you every time you drop back right now. I think they're leading the country. I know it's not against great teams, but Florida's defense, uh, Texas A&M, what they have at quarterback, and there's a lot of talent on that defense. And even a team like Arkansas can be troublesome. They got by TCU to get them going. Mel, who, who is it? Who's the team that, that steps up here that becomes better than we think they are? Better than we think they are?
2: Uh, Right now, I'd be shocked if anybody did. Uh, I don't see any team. I thought Tennessee was going to be really good with all that young talent maybe maturing so far very, very disappointed yeah. in what I've seen of Tennessee. Georgia, certainly not ready. You mentioned Florida. Do we know enough about Florida yet? No, we don't. Uh, you look at Arkansas. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look the big at Big one this week. Texas yeah, A&M's
0: exactly. really good defensively.
2: Defensively yeah. and offensively, they've got, they weapons. got the receivers. They, they have the ability, Todd. A&M was a team I thought would beat UCLA. They almost let that slip away after blowing that lead. Uh, are you sold, though, on Trevor well, Knight well, being a say big-time this. quarterback?
0: I am more so now after spending time with him and, and Ole Mazzoni and knowing that they recognize what his issues were in that first game and have addressed him staying in the pocket and being more patient and not bailing out and turning every play into a Sandlot play if his first read wasn't there. And he, he did it against whoever their second opponent was. It was a Prairie View, I think it was, and, uh, <laughs> and that does, does nothing to impress anybody. But when you do it against a, a really good Auburn defense, that offense is a disaster. But a good Auburn defense, I was impressed with that improvement. I, I would not buy the stock. I I know the history. He had the great Alabama game. He's had a couple great games, and he's had a bunch of miserable games. So, um, again, I, I wouldn't buy the stock, but I'm believing in it a little bit more than I did a couple weeks ago. And if he can play at that level, which wasn't a great. I mean, he had some mistakes, and it was up and down. But if he could play at the level he played at last week, this team has a chance to be maybe the second-best team in the SEC West when it's all said and
3: done. What well, about you, and he, he didn't turn the ball over. Exactly. I mean, that, that's the key. The team didn't turn the ball over on the road at Auburn. And I, I think it's the winner of this game, A&M and Arkansas yep. this week in Jerry World. Arkansas has lost two in a row to A&M in overtime the last two years. I was at the game two years ago. So it's not like they haven't been in this game. But Arkansas has been notoriously slow starting under Brett Bielema. So the fact that they're 3-0, if they can get to 4-0, that's a team that usually gets better as the season goes along, so that's something to watch. A and M's the opposite. A and M's been five and zero the last two years. Yep. Todd, you said you said show me when we were talking about the Big Ten earlier. This this has show me written all over it. Whether it's Trevor Knight, whether whether it's that run defense this week against Arkansas, A and M has to prove something beyond the month of September. We talk about September Heisman's. A and M's like a September national champion. I mean, they look fantastic every September they got to do something beyond that. So I, I think the winner of this game, and I'm, I'm leaning Arkansas, I guess you can tell, because Arkansas is showing something that it hasn't in the past. Solid on both sides of the ball. They've got big boys up front. They can play with Alabama. They've proven that. They haven't beaten them, but they've proven they can play with them uh, physically, which is something that not very many teams in the country can say.
1: I think, Trav, you seem susceptible, too, to watching Brett Bielema's reality show and just kind of falling in love. <laughs> it's very good. It's, it really it's is. It's very good. I would watch a camera following Brett Bielema around a grocery store for at least 30 minutes. Is he legit have That's a— That's basically one does. of the episodes. I didn't even know oh, that. There. Oh, there you hey, go. Mel, I like that uh, this sounds like a, a Kuiperism. I like that Todd is more bullish on Trevor Knight after Trevor Knight got to talk to Todd.
2: Yeah, when you talk to guys, that's the worst <laughs> mistake you can make. Every time you talk to somebody, you like them more than you probably should have. Um, yeah, no, I,
1: thought, I thought he was really
0: hyped up and antsy in our meeting. It wasn't really talking to him as much he as it was. He was probably
1: nervous, Todd.
0: No, oh, I Jesus, just think he's so consistently hyped up and, and antsy.
1: It's kind of like uh, how calvert Hall kids seem to rise. After Mel gets in their ear, oh, <laughs> yeah, the Calvert Hall
2: mentioned, but no I think I think the game this week we've all know we've circled it for every year we kind of circled because Tennessee has a way of not finishing is the Florida Tennessee game where yeah. we'll know a lot do so we have about to that. talk about this. <laughs> yes, we do. That, that Florida defensive front seven, Travis, against Tennessee uh, could be tr- tough to handle. We'll find out more about them. Del Rio's injury, a quarterback. Seems like all these Purdue guys now. Uh, they, yeah, he's uh, from Purdue, Purdue, right? now starting, yeah.
0: yeah. Appleby, right?
2: Yeah, Appleby. We got Appleby there. We got LSU. We got all these SEC teams. Who would, ever, who would ever thought, Travis, the two <laughs> SEC teams would be starting quarterbacks that were kind of – Quarterback
0: position so bad they're having to coach from yeah. Purdue. Yeah. Purdue said – and, okay. and those are the cradle contenders. of quarterbacks. Yeah, seriously. And
3: then th- throw in Grayson Lambert, a guy who couldn't play at Virginia, who's now played in two seasons at Georgia. <laughs>
1: yep. And the king of SEC country is Drew Brees. Uh, guys, that popping you hear in the background is actually McShay's helicopter on the roof. Right. He's got to hit the road via the helicopter, of course. and uh, But we'll continue after the break with Trav and Mel – Talk a little bit more, Lamar Jackson, the QB class, and then we'll take your mail. But first, a word from MeUndies. You wear underwear every day. I do. Todd does. Mel does. At least most of us do. It's time to try something better. MeUndies has created the world's most comfortable underwear with a blend of fabric that is three times softer than cotton. When you feel awesome from the inside out, you look awesome from the outside in. When you upgrade your undies game, everybody wins. Life feels better in MeUndies. Undies is made from Mo Dale, a fabric that's three times softer than cotton. Undies has tons of colors and patterns from classic to bold to adventurous. And the only brand that has matching pairs for men and women. All orders in the U.S. and Canada ship for free. And if you don't love your first pair, you will. Undies will pay you back and you can keep it for free, no questions asked. For a limited time, MeUndies is offering you 20% off your first order at MeUndies.com slash draft. If you don't love your first pair, it's free. Make sure you go to MeUndies.com slash draft to get 20% off your first order and use our link so they know we sent you again. That's MeUndies.com slash draft. Kicked McShay out. We still have Trav Haney. National ESPN college football insider. We have Mel Kuyper, who's an insider at all things. And now, guys, I wanted to jump a little bit back to where we started in the ACC, and it's really the Lamar Jackson phenomenon. You know, obviously the touchdown count is up there. What is it, 18 now? I mean, it's unbelievable. Three games. He's coming off a demolition of Florida State. Yeah, Derwin James would have helped. I don't know if he would have been worth 42 points. Um Mel, I guess I'll start with you because already this is happening and you're going to say, no, 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 it's too early. It's, it's middle of September. Slow down. But people are saying, Mel, what do you see with Lamar Jackson? We're already hearing like Lamar Jackson and Cleveland Browns in the same yeah. sentence. Well, I can't
2: because he's a sophomore. So. Really, but he's a
1: sophomore. But what do you see from this guy in terms of the way he's going to be talked about you know, from here until the day he's out, which is as a pro prospect.
2: Spectacular collegiate quarterback. Luckily, I don't have to worry about him this year because right now he's not ready. Uh, he, his passing skills need to improve. Uh, this is not what you're going to see in the NFL. I mean, let's face it, he is just you talk about manpower. And, Travis, you can look at the offensive weapons that he has uh, you know, all over the place and you know, the defensive personnel that, as I said, decided to come back and could have gone into the NFL. Devontae Fields could have gone. Keith Kelsey linebacker could have gone. Uh, you know, Josh Harvey Clemens could have gone. Uh, but they didn't, and they stayed, and that really helped. But in terms of Lamar Jackson, yes, he is extraordinary as a collegiate quarterback. Is he an NFL-ready quarterback? He's not eligible, but he's certainly not. Will his passing skills improve to the point next year when he is draft eligible that he'll have a high grade? I can't answer that, but right now he's got some work to do. We're Early in the year, let's see where he is when they're playing Houston November 17th on the road at Thursday night game. Where is he then as compared to now throwing the football accurately and precisely all the time and not completing you know, 59% but get that completion percentage up to around 63 to 65%?
3: how much fun is he going to have this week? Marshall just gave up 63 points to Akron, Mm. and Jackson just torched FSU. I think that's the difference in this quote-unquote September Heisman candidacy than Kenny Hill and Bernard Robinson and Geno Smith is that he did it to Florida State, and Florida State is not a program that we we don't see that. That's just not something that's the norm in college football. So I think that was particularly eye-opening. In in terms of how he develops – You know, Mel, I'm curious to hear your thought on this, but coaches always tell me that accuracy is one of the hardest, if not impossible, things to coach. That a lot of it is so inherent that there's only so much you can do. So, in terms of developing that side and improving that completion percentage and just becoming more efficient as a quarterback, I don't know what the ceiling is exactly. But on the other side of that, he's so dang talented with his feet that anything he can do with his arm is almost icing. And You know that there's going to be a place for that in the league. You don't know how successful he's going to be. You don't know exactly what his professional ceiling is going to look like. But you know you've seen enough at this point that he's going to get a shot next year. Oh, he's not going to get a,
2: a shot. There's no question, Travis. The thing is he is built for college football where you don't play defense. I mean, the thing about college football is it is I'm, – I'm sorry to see it happen so early because college basketball, I love it, but I don't want to see it in September. We're seeing college basketball on turf here. It's up and down the court. You hit a three early in a college basketball game, does it matter? No, it doesn't. You hit a touchdown early in a college football game, does it matter? No. Touchdowns don't mean anything in college football. We've got to get back to playing defense. How do we do it? I can go on for an hour about that. College football has got to get up to date into 2016 and not live in 1968 when they stopped the clock because they needed more players. It's too many plays. It's wearing these kids out. The underdog doesn't have a chance to compete for four quarters, uh, let alone a half against these teams. So it's just tough. It's built for Lamar Jackson. There's no doubt about that. But the NFL is not about running. We RG3 saw that happen very quickly. You can't run in this league. Kaepernick, all these quarterbacks thought they could run the read option and run around. You can't. Wentz is going to have to find out. You're not playing Incarnate Word anymore, okay? not playing Missouri <laughs> State. You're playing in the NFL. You get to the sidelines, you get out of bounds. You slide in. You don't take hits. You don't survive in the NFL taking hits quarterbacks find that out the hard way you can't be a runner you got to be mobile but not a runner lamar jackson's got to be more precise he's got to straighten out footwork there's some things you can do travis to work with that Mm -hmm. to improve that and tweak that a bit but uh, i want to see that development because what works in college where you don't play defense doesn't work in the nfl Yeah, you where you do play defense you draft guys coming out because they can rush the passer they can stop the run they can cover the best in the world so in the nfl you play a little defense in college football you play no defense
3: I'm not implying that this is a comp in any way. He's a little bigger. He's, it's a different skill set. Mm-hmm. But what are you seeing out of, of Mariota, where I live in Nashville, in terms of development of a guy who obviously leaned heavily on his legs and is having to figure out the arm part as he goes?
2: He's developing, I think, very nicely. I thought Tennessee and Tampa Bay would be the two most improved teams. I looked great with Tampa the first week, Travis and Chris, and I look awful this week when they get dominated and Winston's throwing four picks. I looked awful with Tennessee the first week when they blow a 10 nothing lead against Minnesota with Sean Hill. Then this week, Tennessee comes back and beats the Lions with the help of the officials. The penalties in that game made it unwatchable. They took a touchdown away from Stafford and Ebron on a play that he didn't push off. He barely touched the defensive Terrible player, course. but they Terrible. called it, it was back. Awful. Oh, it was horrible. So the Detroit should have won that game really, but Tennessee won it 16-15. to 15. And Mariota, the improvement in the development of Mariota is tied to Travis and Chris Tajay Sharp. I'm going to have a rookie big board coming out on ESPN.com, the number one rookie big board of this year and the initial rookie big board. And Tajay Sharp out of UMass has on that rookie big board. He's been kind of the go-to guy. They let Doriel Green Beckham go to Philadelphia. Now it's Sharp. It's young running back Derrick Henry. It's an outstanding offensive tackle and Jack Conklin who had a one kind of hiccup when he was responsible for that safety. But the rest of the way He played great. He's in the top ten. So you got two young kids there, Travis and Chris. Uh, I think Mariota is on his way to becoming an outstanding quarterback.
1: Jumping back real quick on Lamar Jackson just because it is the topic, is the question here – I'm going to bring in a, a thing that was really controversial about Teddy Bridgewater during the draft process. And if you're a draft junkie, you kind of know this term. But he's got a little bit of this. It happened to Teddy Bridgewater, and the, the phrase you hear is thin-jointed. And by that, I mean it's the guy with the smaller ankles, the smaller, the wrists. the guy that looks – he's just, frankly, really lean. And it's a – I'm sorry, the NFL draft process is a, a body-typing freak show. You know, you have guys staring at, at, at all kinds of different things, at all these kind of different types and what you're looking for. Lamar Jackson's got a little bit of that. And when you combine that with, I think he has 49 uh, rushing attempts so far, I think he's going to go through the same thing, Mel, whether it's this time next year or even in two years, where I think he's going to have to get stronger physically or it's all going to come out, you know, it's all going to be a big worry during the draft process. You're going to say, half the people are going to say, look at the tape, and then everybody else is going to say, I don't know, I just don't know if this guy can hold up.
2: And I'll go to you, Travis, on this. Have you been around Jackson? I haven't seen him up close and personal. Watch him on tape, watch him every week. But, you know, his weight has gone up a little bit. He was about 185. Mm -hmm. Now I see 195, 200 in that area at around 6'3". We don't know what his accurate measurables are. We won't know that until next year. But I look at spindly was the word. i am going back to 1978 when I started in this business and use that term, the spindly uh, type of of, of physique and and physical ability. You know, for Jackson, yes, fill out a little bit, get stronger. He's only a sophomore, Uh, you know, but I think adding a little weight, adding a little strength, like I said, between now and next year when he does become so-called draft eligible, uh, Travis, for him, probably will be important.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I talked to Bobby Petrino this summer about that. He was 205 last year as a freshman. Petrino said he's around 225, 230 now. So- Is he that big? big. A, they were a little at, heavy. They, Is he they they were that were actually big right cons- now? Wow. Okay. They were concerned about him getting too big and losing some of that flexibility. So he could have lost some of that weight back in camp. That was in the summer that he was up around 225. But it does show that he can get a little bit larger if that's an issue. But Sproul, I mean, you're making the point. I mean, there, there's no way around it. We've seen it with RG3 and, and guys that just have that body type who have excelled on the college level. I, I brought up Mariota for a reason. I mean, he's yep. he's a bigger guy. He, he's... He looks different. you know. When he runs, he's, he can't take hits either, but he has a chance. If RG3 gets hit, he doesn't. And Lamar Jackson has a little bit more of that to him, I think, than, than Mariota. So it, it's going to be a concern. And, and Mel, you, you hit it. I mean, it's all about how he develops as a passer between now and the spring of 2018. And we've seen some development from year one to year two, enough that Petrino was, was talking about this with, with us back in the spring and summer. But there's still a long, long way to go to be a proficient and a really good NFL
1: quarterback. And, and I want to be fair here, too, because it's not just a thing. It's not just, oh, Bridgewater just freakishly hurt his knee in, in kind of the way that people who would knock him for being thin jointed would think, you know, he's more susceptible to things like that. It doesn't matter that it's just Bridgewater. You could point to Jared Goff. The point is, is that Jared Goff, nobody's talking about Jared Goff as a running being a factor in his game the way you talk about Mariota, the way you talk about a guy like Lamar Jackson. There's so many different contextual things here. I just wanted to bring up that point because I do think when we get to that point where we're scrutinizing the heck out of everything, that's going to be something that pops up for Lamar Jackson. Guys, I wanted to jump really quick before we hit to the mail. The quarterback class overall, is it – You know, obviously, at the beginning of the season, we weren't thinking about a guy like Lamar Jackson. He's not draft-eligible. But in terms of the draft-eligible guys, Deshaun Watson, I don't think a a slightly slow start with some new players around him, uh, knocks him from the top. But from there, we got guys like Brad Kaya. C.J. Beathard has shown some things, even though they had that big loss. Chad Kelly is going to be a guy. Some people like the tools, and some people hate the decisions uh, Baker Mayfield obviously up and down is Mason Rudolph a big riser Who, who's popped for you a little bit this year Mel yeah, it's a
2: tough group to really figure. I haven't seen anybody that's kind of wowed me over. No, None of the quarterbacks have. It's been one of those years where you kind of, you want to wait, and you don't you want to yeah. be patient. You don't want to overreact to a couple games, and we're still in September. But nobody has really done it yet at quarterback, and that's what the NFL wants. Deshaun Kaiser is a third-year sophomore. Wilton Spade at Michigan is a third-year sophomore. Are they ready? No. Uh, they're not ready. We saw it with Kaiser, the inconsistency against Michigan State. Spade had the interception early. He's been flawless since, but Watson not really developed like you would hope based on what we saw last year. Kaya had a good game this past week, but that was against App State. Up until that point he was less than stellar. You got J T Barrett at Ohio State, Luke Falk, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, uh, Mitch Trubisky at North Carolina, you know, Kelly. To me, you know, I'm not as high on Kelly as some other people were going into the year. Beathard is kind of the quarterback, the gritty competitor. He's been around football his whole life. His grandfather is a great former GM, Bobby Beathard. Um But is he worthy of being an early round pick? Yeah, uh, you know, I don't Baker Mayfield. I don't Seth Russell at Baylor. I don't see anybody. Travis can say right now is going to be a dynamic, outstanding NFL quarterback.
1: But Mel and Trav, what about my boy Davis Webb? And I, I get it; it's really hard to <laughs> oh, tell. The bubble this screen sensation, bubble screen. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Davis Webb is the guy that's built to throw the ball down the field, and it kind of drives you crazy. You can't evaluate twenty passes that are within a yard of the line of scrimmage against Hawaii. You kind of pull your hair out. But Trav, what else? What about what about Patrick Mahomes? Does he back up a little bit, or is that just system?
3: Well, it has to be considered system, and you know it will be by NFL people and for good reason. Like you said, the Texas Tech quarterbacks are all coaches. They're they're not playing in the NFL. The one thing I would say that's on his side is, he, I mean, he's got the size. He's six four, two thirty, 230, can still move at that size. But he had the genetics, I mean, the fact that his dad was a major league pitcher, a professional athlete in his own right, I think that's big. I think that's something that will come up in the interview process. He'll interview extremely well. He's a good leader for that team. The system will get scrutinized to death, but I think he has a real chance to kind of break that mold just because of the way that he's made up physically and mentally.
2: And I think to, to just finish all this up, Travis, what you said is exactly right. And Chris studies these quarterbacks. You're going to try to find that second and third tier quarterback in this draft that you can get in the third, the seventh round that may hit. And then somebody's going to hit. and You're going to look like a genius when you do. And it's not going to be easy because it's going to be hard to evaluate these quarterbacks. But somebody's going to see something, some so little Scott, factor. Right?
3: What's that, uh, Travis? The the Dak Prescott of of this year. The
2: Dak Prescott. You know, find somebody like that, that uh, the Jacoby Brissett even went earlier than Prescott. Uh, We found the whole Tom Brady scenario with Spurgeon Wynn going ahead of Tom Brady in that draft out of Southwest Texas State. Brady goes in the end of the sixth round. So, can you find that kind of, you know, lightning in a bottle quarterback? Uh, Somebody's going to try to do it with those gazillion names that we discussed during this podcast.
1: Maybe it'll be Cooper Rush from Central Michigan. But, hey, guys, uh, Good chatting there on the quarterbacks. Now, time to jump to the mail. <whistles> Guys, Dalvin Cook is a big name. Have to Off to a bit of a slow start. Obviously, you get behind by a million at Louisville. It's not going to be much of a showcase game. Mel, you can start this. AJ at a yep. Jaffer23 asks, has Dalvin Cook stopped dropped at all? Is he out of the first round?
2: Well, you know my philosophy uh, is never take a running back He's in the tenth in round, round one. on Ellsbury.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he would be
2: a second round consideration if it were me, not a first round consideration. But is he worthy of being a first round pick? Well, what talent he is! Uh, certainly uh, a slower start than you would expect. He had that big hiccup. Uh, you know, you let the uh, drop the ball uh, going in for a touchdown early on. Uh, Chubb's kind of come back a little bit. Fournette is a great talent. We know that. Royce Freeman with the injury, and then Christian McCaffrey, Travis, and I would go to this guy. This is a guy that doesn't have any flaws. Travis uh, Christian McCaffrey can do it all. And you know he certainly is as good as any back in college football after Fournette. So if you're talking about collegiate football and, and transitioning to the NFL, Christian McCaffrey deserves to be heavily in this equation. You've got other backs from the, the senior class that are good, not great. But I think right now, to get back to Dalvin Cook, I think he will probably have a first-round grade for some people. Whether he will for all, I don't know. But McCaffrey, Travis, what's your opinion of Christian McCaffrey?
3: Well, I think you look around the NFL, and on Sundays, those guys with versatility that can catch the ball, the backfield that can play on special teams in the return game, those guys have great value. And I don't feel like I hear enough NFL people talking about McCaffrey, maybe because of the the big names coming into the season like Fournette and, and Chubb, and uh, certainly Cook. Uh, but all, but also with Dalvin Cook, there's a story up right now. Uh, one of our ACC reporters. Has on Cook. There's a lot of concern there coming out of that Florida State fan base, uh, I, I guess team wide because of the way it started. But Cook seems a little slower to the hole. He just does not seem to have that same pace that he had hitting the hole a year ago and concerns a little bit of, about a shoulder injury. So I think there's a lot to watch there, really, how that whole team goes from here, but especially Dalvin Cook, because he was so good last year in the 10 or so games that he was on the field average more yards per carry than McCaffrey, Fournette, Derrick Henry, I mean, he was as good as any of those guys when he played, so it, I think there's something going on, it's just a matter of monitoring it right and now. And
2: sometimes what happens is, Travis, the guys will add a little weight to that frame in, in preparation for a year where they are draft eligible and they're in that mix and they want to get maybe 10 to 15 pounds added to their frame, and sometimes that does affect early on, that ability to handle that weight, and it transitions to maybe a quickness, and explosion maybe dropping just a bit, so he'll be watched very closely, it's still a long way to go uh, you know, we still are only inside september so for dalvin cook yes he is not where he was early in the year in terms of stock up his arrows moved down a little bit from where it was even for me and as i said i would never take a running back in the first round anyway so uh, unless dalvin cook's a second rounder uh it wouldn't be he wouldn't be in my thought process
1: i've added weight to my frame and maintained total explosiveness so i don't necessarily buy all that guys we got to do this since trav's on kenneth crawl at texas sports ten fifteen. guys the titans have two firsts in the next draft Spend them both on defense. I know this is crazy early, but I, I I just we gotta throw it out since Trav is on and he's it's in his backyard. Come on, Trav. I
3: already I already wrote this down. You already got you, him done. Thank, what a what a great lead in. They're already talking here about Miles Garrett and the excitement about the idea of having a game changing type pass rusher. And it's that Rams pick that everyone was really excited about after week one and not as excited about after the Rams beat the Seahawks. Yeah. Because it looked like that might be a number one. Maybe it still is, who knows? Probably a top five pick. Browns
1: are gonna have something to say about that.
3: But there's I mean, there's a chance, there's a decent chance that you could get Miles Garrett in that area. And I think that's what they're looking to do is get that elite level pass rusher. They've they've got good pieces in the front seven. Jarrell Casey is, is really an under under the radar kind of star. Uh, around here, probably not in the NFL circles, but... Uh, I think Miles Garrett could be a game-changer for them for sure.
2: He can bend. The way he bends that edge, and he's number one on the board right now for me. Uh, Jabril Peppers, the do-it-all, everything you want, offense, defense, special teams. Uh, Peppers fits today's NFL beautifully. Uh, He's right now at six on the big board with the arrow moving up for him. So if you're looking at the two best defensive players I've seen this year would be Miles Garrett and right now Jabril Peppers.
1: Miles Garrett would uh, certainly evoke memories of a defensive end who played for that team that came out of Florida, Javon Kurse, because that's the type of athlete he is. You go around you and then you realize he can just, you know, put the tackle on top of the quarterback on the next play too. I mean, it's all there. And frankly, Kurse was the known as the freak. Garrett's probably going to be the more productive one coming out of college and he's going to have a lot of freak stats. Ah, a couple questions on Lamar Jackson, we hit that. Let's uh one more that's very drafty and it's very early. But pick an O and two team, guys, and think about a college player that might fit at EJ, at a new EJ. Ask if you if you think of some of the O and two teams, the Browns, even the Redskins. Uh, the Rams are now out of the picture, unfortunately. Is there a football player you think of and you say that's the perfect guy for that team? I mean, the the first one that comes to mind for me, Mel, is is something we'll be talking about into spring. Is is there a quarterback? Is it it Deshaun Watson that is the next guy for the Browns, especially since they're already having anxiety over the fact that maybe Carson Wentz was that guy and he's no longer a possibility?
2: Yeah, I think for Cleveland, they have to look that way unless they find out that between now and, say, the end of the year, that Cody Kessler and RG3 is out right now injured. They thought they could maybe rejuvenate and really reconstruct RG3. I go back to Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett got beat up in New England. How do you at, go from RG3
1: to Jim Plunkett? And That's all of a sudden, a he's with Oakland
2: That's because it was about the guy who was a number one pick <laughs> and had the injuries, and then he was brought back to being a great quarterback. I don't know if you can do that twice. Yeah. It happened twice in our lifetime, but it did with Plunkett. It, well, it happened with rg g3 but set him aside because he's out cody kessler travis was a quarterback at usc he's not real tall he doesn't have the big time arm you're playing in cleveland pittsburgh cincinnati okay and baltimore you gotta have an arm
3: you would see him in september
2: No. Yeah, I mean, he didn't expect the third Or Jacoby Brissett,
1: or Dak Prescott.
2: Yeah, I mean, but is Kessler, the question yeah. was about Cleveland. Is Kessler between now and the draft going to show in this year, now that he is starting this week against Miami, will he show enough to let Hugh Jackson know who knew him from the USC days and liked him and said, hey, trust me with this pick of Cody Kessler. Said it again this week. Trust me. If Hugh Jackson thinks he's got a similar quarterback to Andy Dalton, Travis, then maybe he doesn't even go with a quarterback early.
3: Yeah, I'm looking at all of these 0 2 teams. I mean, I think you could put Deshaun Watson on a number of these and feel better about him. I mean, uh, New Orleans is going to be shopping for a quarterback at some point. Uh, the Redskins, I don't know how great you feel about Cousins for the long term, uh, the long haul. Jay Cutler winding down his career. There's a lot of places that he would look good. But one guy we just talked about, Dalvin Cook, the Jags seem to have a huge hole still at running back. I don't know how good they feel about Yeldon. Brought in Ivory, couldn't even really get him on the field or get going early maybe Dalvin Cook, if you get him in the second or third round, as, as Mel says, he's not a first rounder, but if you get him a little later, you get kind of that Florida State I-10 connection going on there, maybe that's a good fit.
2: And the Jags, boy, they got to protect uh, the quarterback, and they got to do some things from an offensive line standpoint. Well, Jokel, former early pick playing guard, and that offensive line has to really come together, and that team really had a big letdown after that Green Bay debacle, where they had all those calls went against them, and they lose that game that they could have won and go on the road, and they get dominated, and they get Baltimore, a 2-0 and team, but a team that only beat Buffalo and Cleveland, and we're fortunate to do that this past week, really were a call that went against Terrell Pryor, which was amazing in that game for taunting, which was not taunting in my opinion. You can't make that call, or they got four shots from the 10-yard line to beat Baltimore and the Ravens. So we'll see about that this week. But I think when you look at where teams are right now in the whole Deshaun Watson evaluation, I don't know how you can project him right now to be the first, second pick overall. And Cleveland passed on Carson Wentz. If you pass on Wentz, Are you all of a sudden going to be excited about Deshaun Watson, who right now is not playing like he did last season?
1: Uh, Good stuff. You know, I talked to our buddy uh, Chris Mortensen the other day, and Mel, when you talk to him, he'll just keep saying, ugh, you know, they just can't pass on Wentz. He's an AFC North (laughs) quarterback. The kid's from North Dakota. What were they thinking? Like, Mort just believes he knew all along that Wentz was going to be this good.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what I think, and Travis, you can chime in on this one because you look for reasons behind that. And I spoke to another analytics guy last night who was involved heavily in baseball, a good friend of mine, and we were talking about the whole analytics and what, how can you use analytics on a 1AA quarterback? You can't. OK, really so hard. for for Carson Wentz, it didn't fit what they were doing. They couldn't evaluate him in my body. I'm just guessing here. I was speculating, but I don't think he fit the analytics part of the equation because of coming out of North Dakota State in a one double a program. And the part
1: that what? did was get as many freaking picks as you can, which they did. Right. And, you know, the problem with being excited about the Browns is just the fact that. You can't be excited about now. It's all about the future. Trav, what, what do you got to say? Then we got to wrap up SVP. And yeah, I, d- I just feel
3: style. like we're like eager, we're eager to pounce on the Browns, yeah. and I understand why. But, I mean, we didn't know what they had in Carson Wentz. We didn't see him in August at all. And, and he throwing. looks good through two weeks. But I, I don't know that – I think we might be rushing to a little bit of a conclusion
1: there. Yeah, and, you know, a couple of seasons ago, the guy that was amazing during preseason was Blake Bortles. You know, wait till teams adjust. It's like baseball, you know. You have a hole in your swing. It's going to come back hey it's great to have you on trav mel pretty decent to have you on todd mcshay was here he's uh <laughs> helicoptering back up the coast now the cape but for me chris Brow, trav haney mel Kuyper. that's first draft for this week we'll do it again in two
0: thanks for listening to first draft for more great podcasts check out espn.com slash pod